0: today we're continuing our series on proverbs looking at selected passages from the book of proverbs thinking about some of the things it says some of the things that uh the bible says this is what wisdom is this is what it means to be wise so today we are looking at proverbs chapter 15 and i'm going to read verses 1 to 33 which is the whole chapter Proverbs 15, starting at verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. The house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings them trouble. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. Stern discipline awaits him who leaves the path. He who hates correction will die. Death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. A mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man a quarrel. The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly delights a man who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding keeps a straight course. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisers they succeed. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word. The path of life leads upward for the wise to keep him from going down to the grave. The Lord tears down the proud man's house, but he keeps the widow's boundaries intact. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but those of the pure are pleasing to him. A greedy man brings trouble to his family, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The Lord is far from the wicked but he hears the prayer of the righteous. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. He who ignores discipline despises himself but whoever heeds correction gains understanding the fear of the lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor it's quite a long chapter 33 verses each proverb unique in a sense and saying something different so what can we learn what can we say about this chapter today well there is one thing that stuck out to me about this passage i suppose one theme that comes up a few times that i wanted to talk about today Um, you see i think we live in a time where we can feel like you don't know what's true anymore you can't ever be sure what's true what's real Um, social media says well you can't trust the mainstream news they're uh biased they protect the status quo uh mainstream news says well you can't trust social media there's no no one checking the truth of what's being said um you can't trust politicians anymore you can't trust the police you can't trust the church you can't trust anyone uh you can't trust your eyes even because the images you're looking at how do you know whether they're real maybe it's a, a deep fake maybe someone's been removed from the, the the photo uh maybe that person you're looking at well they've all of us really on social media we often have filters so we're presenting a fake image of ourselves. you can't trust what you see you can't trust even what you hear that music you're listening to well now with ai thank thank you ai uh you can't even be sure it's the original artist the voice you're hearing you can't even be sure if it is the person or just ai imitating their voice imitating their music you can't be sure of anything these days and it feels like we're living in a time where you can never be sure anything is true where you feel like you're being lied to all the time but i think life's always been a bit like that i think society and culture has always being like that it's perhaps heightened or we're more sensitive more aware of it now there's more opportunity for it to come into our lives but there's always been lies and always been lies that people are saying here's the truth this is the truth i grew up before the internet i didn't have the internet when i was a child there was no ai when i was a child yet we were still lied to i was still lied to and had you know people say no this is the truth And one of the biggest lies i was told as a child it's probably uh, a lie you may have heard maybe you were told it too maybe you've believed it all your life but it's this it's sticks and stones may break my bones but names will never hurt me words will never hurt me that's one of the biggest lies i think we're told in our lives and that was before social media It makes sense when you look at it when you analyze that statement because it's just words isn't it? it's just noises what harm can noises do to you but those words those noises can hurt us because human beings we're not just bones are we we're not just bones to be broken we can have our hearts broken we can have our our minds broken we can have our souls our spirits broken and this usually happens with words it's words that do this to us i've never broken a bone i've lived a charmed life you may say oh i'm just a coward one of the two you can choose but some of you will have and do you remember the pain do you remember the pain of breaking a bone maybe you do maybe you don't it's past it was a long time ago now But i bet most of us can still remember the pain of certain words the way they were used against us in fact although when we break a bone or injure ourselves that pain can pass and it's gone forever and it doesn't come back i bet it doesn't take much to bring back the pain of some things in our lives the things that were delivered by words it's almost like a fresh wound when you just think about it when you just recall about it the pain is real there again this is what words do this is a convoluted introduction isn't it to a sermon on this chapter of the book of proverbs but this is the thing this is what proverbs was talking about i feel this is the thing that stuck out to me about this chapter is how often this chapter how often Proverbs, how often the Bible, how often other wisdom traditions throughout history make this point that words matter, that words are important, that words are powerful things. How we interact with one another, how we speak the words we use, how we listen to one another, how we hear the words that people use, these things matter, these things are powerful. And Proverbs, this chapter has several instances where it says the way you do this the way you speak the way you listen the the way you interact with words defines whether or not you are a wise person or not there's some verses that we we read that we heard this morning like verse 1 a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger right away the second verse the tongue of the wise commends knowledge but the mouth of the fool gushes Folly. verse four the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit verse five A fool spurns his father's discipline doesn't listen to the words that have been spoken but whoever heeds correction whoever listens shows prudence the lips of the wise verse seven spread knowledge not sow the hearts of fools 12 a mocker resents correction he will not consult the wise Fourteen, the discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. Eighteen, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. The way that you use words, the way that you listen, can stir up dissension or calm a quarrel. Verse 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Words can make plans succeed. 23. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good is a timely word. 28. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. 31. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. 22 he who ignores discipline despises himself but whoever heeds correction gains understanding these are the the kinds of things that Proverbs says how you use your words matters all throughout the bible james in his letter in chapter three he speaks quite a lot in those first few verses of chapter three about the tongue you know what he says he says the tongue is a fire a world of evil among the the parts of the body that sounds a bit harsh but he's making this same point your words are powerful things and james says well if you can control your tongue if you can control the words you use you are a perfect man perfect person that the power to the self-control to to control the words you use makes you perfect according to james that's how important this is that's how this big, big an issue This is now you know as well as i do that there are lots of things in this world that in our society in our culture that you need training for you need a license you need a license to drive you need uh, licenses and qualifications to use heavy machinery you uh, you need a license to practice medicine all these kind of things because we recognize that the harm that comes from using these things badly, from being a bad driver, or or for not uh, using heavy machinery properly. We know that these things are dangerous, but there is no license to speak. There's no test people have to take before they are allowed to speak, before they are allowed to exercise that power of words. We wander around, all of us, like a toddler with a shotgun with the power to speak into people's lives words that can destroy that can harm that can break down the bible says this matters this is important the way we use our words makes a difference one thing i find when uh, you read the bible a lot is you get a bit familiar over familiar if you like with some parts of it with some of the passages and i think the gospels are a a prime place for this to happen because we we think a lot about jesus we read a lot about jesus what he says what he does is important but he says and does a lot and there can be those verses hidden away in the gospels that no matter how well you know the bible you miss you don't realize that they're there for example in um, matthew chapter 12 uh, verses 26 to 27 jesus says something that You may know, you may not know, you may never realise that these words are in the Bible, that, that Jesus says we are going to have to give an account for every word we speak. We'll be judged not just by what we've done, but by what we say. Words matter. The way we use words matter. It's a serious business speaking, using words. The Bible's been saying this for a long time. You know, words matter. Words are important. They are powerful things. Some of us call ourselves Christians. Some of us call ourselves followers of Jesus. We have no excuse. We can't, at the end of our lives, look back on what we've done with our words and say, oh, well, I didn't realise it was so important. I didn't realise it mattered that much. I thought what I did was what mattered. We've got no excuse because the Bible's been saying it. For centuries that our words matter, how we use them matters. So why say anything? Why speak at all? Surely it's better just to keep quiet and never say anything. If the risk is so great that this is such an important thing, let's just take a vow of silence and never speak again. Swallow all those words that build up inside surely that's what the message of proverbs is surely that's what the message of proverbs should be don't speak don't say anything it's, it's too risky it's too dangerous that's not the message of proverbs that's not the message that we read in this chapter that's not the message we read elsewhere in the bible the message of proverbs about words i think you find in chapter 18 verse 21 um, which we haven't read but it says the tongue has the power of life or death proverbs eighteen twenty one: the tongue has the power of life or death and that i think is the message of proverbs that's the message of the bible the tongue is this powerful thing that can harm that can do great harm but it also has the power of life and we choose whether we use it to bring life or to bring death into the world that's the message of proverbs that's the message of the the bible not that we should never speak but that we should think carefully about how we use our words and we should seek to bring life rather than death into the world through our words that's the point we choose we choose what we do with words i look back on my life And I cringe sometimes at some of the careless things I've said. You know, those moments, you see the look in people's eyes and you wish you could take the words back as soon as you said them, but it's too late. I've had those moments. I imagine some of you will have too. And I'm ashamed of them. I'm embarrassed about them. I don't really like to talk. Um, I don't like to speak, which is an odd thing for someone to say considering um i'm a preacher but i don't really like it i um i i meet a lot of people whose their first encounter with me is seeing me hearing me speak at uh, some event or, or something like this and the comments are usually the same it's like james you're really different in person you know when i heard you speak when i saw you on on that stage or whatever i assumed you were this outgoing extrovert people person but then i meet you and find you you know anti-social grumpy uh, miserable so and so because i don't like to speak i don't like to talk people come to me um, with questions because they are under the mistaken impression that i know things that i have answers to their questions i make it a habit of not answering people's questions if i can i try not to say too much i'm much happier if people figure out the answers for themselves because i i don't like to talk i don't like to speak i don't like to say things but the problem i have is that god has a different opinion to me god has said to me pretty clearly over the years James I need you to talk I want you to talk it's what you should be doing I've mentioned before possibly um, in various places that I kind of have a love hate relationship with preaching it's not something that I get excited about that I look forward to doing many Sundays I just would rather you know stay in bed and pull the covers over my head but God says Uh, james get over yourself there are more important things in life than what you want and he has placed on me the expectation and the burden and the responsibility of of making noises using words speaking doing this very thing that i am reluctant to do because i'm aware of how powerful how much responsibility how important it is to use words well this is probably i think in a sense one of the only things i have in common with the old testament prophets i love some of those old testament prophets because some of them didn't want to speak either they didn't want to to preach either jeremiah's one of my favorites who is fed up with god saying say this say that because every time he speaks it gets him into trouble and he says so god i said i'm not going to say it anymore you can tell me all you want to prophesy you can give me all the words you want but i'm not speaking but jeremiah says i couldn't do it i tried to shut those words up but they were like a fire in my bones and i had to speak them ezekiel's another one uh, an interesting prophet who says a lot of things but god said to him often you know what ezekiel words aren't really going to cut it every time so i'm going to get you to to do some some practical things i'm going to get you to do some visual acts i'm going to get you to bury your clothes by the bank of a river i'm going to get you to to lie on your side for months or weeks i can't remember how long it was but just as an illustration when your wife dies and she's going to die you're not to mourn you're not to grieve because i want to use that as a way of communicating something to my people i bet ezekiel had those moments too where he said god why me why did you expect me to do this couldn't you find someone else i'm not really on board with this one of the things i do like from ezekiel from his story is in chapter 37 it's a story that's probably reasonably well known um, because there's a song about it and when i start telling the story you might you might know the song it's god shows ezekiel shows him a piece of the desert and it's full of bones dry bones bones that have been there for a long time all dried up and dead um you know the song the song the knee bones connected to the leg bone or whatever you know the song maybe and god says to ezekiel what do you reckon ezekiel can these bones live and Ezekiel, looking at these bones, maybe he thinks, well, they're dead, they're long dead. There's no life in them, but he's too smart. He's been around God long enough. He knows that the obvious answer is not always the right one where God's concerned. So instead of committing, he says, well, well, only you know, God, whether these bones can live. And God, well, these bones come to life. They come to life. They have life breathed into them and that's what the, the song's about and you may know that story but do you know it well enough to know what it is that brings life to those dry bones are you familiar with it what is it God says to Ezekiel to do he says to Ezekiel Ezekiel speak to the bones prophesy to the bones bring my words to the bones and it's when Ezekiel does that that the the, the bones come to life it's words That's that's where this is going. That's where this this uh, insight into my personality is heading. To this one point, it is words that give life to dry dead bones. That's what's happening in that story. Words don't just have the power to destroy, to harm. That's maybe what we remember. That's maybe what we're afraid of. Maybe that's what we think back on in our lives the damage that words have done but never never forget that words have the power to heal words have the power to bring life proverbs 15 verse 4 that we've read the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life you have a choice god has placed this power Into our hands, the power of words, He's given it to us. And as I said, there's no restriction, there's no boundaries, there's no test you have to take before you are given this responsibility, regardless of age, gender, ethnicity, nationality, any of these things. God has placed this gift into your hands. And like every gift of God, it's up to you how you use it. And there are people who will use that gift to destroy we know them we all know them people who have words who maybe have great skill with words and what do they do with those words they use them to break they use them to demolish to knock down people and things but the message of the bible the message of the gospel is it does not have to be like that it does not have to be this way you can bring healing with your words you can you It's not just those of us who do a lot of talking. Not just those of us who might give the impression that we're good with words. You, if you use your words with wisdom, if you use your words to speak the things that God has said, you can bring healing with your words. You can change people's lives for the better just with these strange noises that come out of our mouths. Larry Crabb who is a Christian counsellor and writer tells a story once of being a child at school and one day at the end of the day teacher said Larry can you stay behind I just want to talk to you for a second and so Larry did and I don't know what he thought the teacher was going to say but the teacher said to him said Larry I've noticed that you're good with words and I think maybe one day you could be a writer if you wanted to be and he then he gave Larry some uh, extra homework to do but Larry Crab said he'd never occurred to him until that point. N- no one had ever said anything like that to him before, that he could be something, that he could be someone, that he could be a writer. It was words. It was words that woke that up in him. Someone, A teacher just taking the time to say, look, this is what I've seen and this is what I think you could do. This is something I think you're good at. And it set him on a path. One of my favourite... Fred Craddock stories this is a story I've told before I know I have and I'll probably tell it every week if I could get away with it is of a time where he and his wife were on holiday and uh, they're minding their own business sitting in a, a cafe or a restaurant and a, an old man comes in and he's saying hello to people at the tables and he comes over to Fred and his wife and sort of starts up a conversation with them and, and Fred says he wasn't too keen you know this guy's interrupting their their time he's not too keen on this conversation but this guy's asking questions oh, who are you here on holiday and so on there um uh they were on holiday in uh um tennessee and find this guy finds out what cred- fred does for a living that he's a minister uh and he's a preacher and and uh, this guy says well you know i've got a story i've i've i owe a lot to uh, a preacher uh from the church the same denomination of the church of fred Craddock was and this man um whose name is ben hooper tells this story he says that he grew up and he was uh, illegitimate um he was from a single parent family his mother wasn't married when he had him he uh he, i don't think he even knew who his father was and in tennessee in those times it was uh, many years ago um That was a big deal like that was a shameful thing and he said uh, all through his childhood he was ashamed and embarrassed and ostracized and uh, he was lonely and people wouldn't talk to him people wouldn't interact with him because of this stigma of being illegitimate and uh, he didn't have any friends or anything like that and he said that when he was a teenager he started going to a church Um, he liked the preacher he liked to hear the preacher Um, but he didn't want to stick around in church because you know he was embarrassed and he um, used to arrive late hear the sermon as soon as the sermon had finished he would leave Uh, and he says that one day there was a bottleneck of people leaving and he couldn't get out and he was trapped in the church and he felt a hand on his shoulder and it was the minister and he looked at the minister and he could see the minister was trying to to place him. Um, because obviously he he didn't stick around, he wasn't there before, wasn't trying to place him, trying to think which family he belonged to, this teenage boy. And uh Ben knew that he'd been found out and that his the minister was gonna gonna say something and he was that was it, he'd never be able to come to the church again. But the minister was struggling, and your child you're a child of, you're, who whose child are you? And um, then the minister said, "You, you're a child of God. I see the family resemblance. It's a striking resemblance." And he said, uh, "You've got a fantastic inheritance, boy. Go out and claim it." And he sent Ben Hooper on his way. And um, just words, just words. You're a child of God. But you know what Ben Hooper said. Fred Craddick said i left that church a different person he said that was the beginning of my life those words just simple words and in fact fred said he remembered after the conversation that the governor of tennessee there'd be a time when the governor of tennessee twice elected had been uh, a man who was illegitimate whose name Was Ben Hooper that this man had become the governor of Tennessee and he said uh, because someone said to me you're a child of God and I see a striking resemblance this is the power of words this is what words do this is the gift that God has given and if like Ezekiel we say okay God I'll speak your words I'm not gonna run away with my words i'm going to speak your words you transform people's lives just with the power of words you spread wisdom and knowledge says proverbs 15 you bring healing and life how good says is a timely word how good is a timely word and we should listen to the words that are spoken to us as well this is what proverbs 15 also says the words that might not be comfortable may not be necessarily what we are expecting or wanting to hear but the words that contain life you see someone they might just be making noises but if you listen if you listen you might be able to hear the holy spirit whispering to you in those words and wouldn't you like to be that sort of person the sort of person Proverbs is talking about as being wise, being a blessing to others. The sort of person who says what is good and what is true and allows the Holy Spirit to piggyback on those noises that those, they make on on those, those words that they speak and bring life to others and change men and women's hearts forever.